Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the professional sports industry, and my front office resume includes titles like General Manager, Vice President of Corporate Partnerships, and Director of Sales. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Why? Because companies with gender and or culturally diverse executive teams were 21% to 35% more likely to outperform the competition. Simply put, diverse leadership helps your bottom line. The Leadership is Female podcast is here to help. Marian Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to create visibility by interviewing successful women who work in sports to uncover opportunities and teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. I believe there's enough room at the table for all of us. Take your seat and join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Paige Hegedus, Manager of Partner Services and DECA Events at Spartan Races, member of the 2019 Front Office Sports Rising Stars, and behind-the-scenes designer and social media wizard for the Leadership is Female podcast is our guest today. Paige is a true talent in the sports industry. She's detailed, creative, asks tough questions, questions the norms, and is the definition of a person who takes a project and runs with it. As you'll hear... One example after another in her interview today of doing just that. She's also passionate about elevating underrepresented populations in the sports industry and has done incredible work already in her career to give these populations a microphone and a platform. And if you didn't know, I'm lucky enough to get to work with Paige on this very podcast. It's been a passion project for both of us and one that we are consistently carving out time to first continue and second to improve so we can serve women who are looking to level up in their careers. Recording this interview was so much fun because I got to share the microphone with the fantastic Paige and give her an opportunity to share her career journey. As with all episodes, there are lessons, tipping points, and inspiring takeaways. As Paige puts it, confidence is contagious. So let's catch it and let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Paige Hegedus, Manager of Partner Services and DECA Events at Spartan Races. So happy to have you here with us. Thanks, Emily. I'm so excited to be here. All right. This is an incredible moment for me to turn the mic on you. And um, I'm so excited for you to share all that you've got to give to this following uh, through this interview. So let's start out with who you are and what you do. Thanks, Emily. 
Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm currently at Spartan Races. I'm on the partnership services team. So as you guys all know in sports, account management for all of our great partners, um, kind of highlighting our higher profile partners. We do a lot of media and content over at Spartan Races, which you wouldn't really realize since we're historically a, a race activation company. Um, but on the flip side, on top of doing my account management, I also kind of oversee our partners at DECA events. So DECA is our new functional fitness product at Spartan. Um, so no one has on my team has been dedicated. So my goal going into DECA is how do I monetize this event to keep it flowing for our company, as well as how do I enhance the racer experience? So whether that's through food and beverage partners or heart rate monitor partners or anything that really kind of contributes to functional fitness, learning a lot about equipment as well as different recovery tools. Um, so my primary focus is, is building DECA and then also providing great customer service to our partners. Love to hear it. We're definitely going to dig in more to Spartan. I'm sure a brand that most of us are familiar with and uh, want to know more about. But first, let's start out with your story. So you started at uh, minor league baseball in events. And tell us what you did uh, for the league, what the job entailed, what did you enjoy? How do you keep track of all of those event details? Let's, let's hear about minor league baseball and your work. Yeah, so I always joke my time at minor league baseball, it was supposed to be a six month adventure turned into a four year journey. So I was originally hired on as an intern for the special events department. Candidly, I did not know much about minor league baseball. I grew up in Houston, Texas, the Astros, that was my favorite, that was my team. So really wanted to work in MLB, um, kind of put my mind towards working in sports in college, but avoided any opportunity in sports throughout college for whatever reason. I kind of went more the events route and figured one day I'd get into sports by building my resume that way. Went to a bunch of networking events for major league baseball jobs. Nothing panned out, but I remember aggressively emailing a recruiter for MLB when they sent me a posting for a special events intern at the headquarters for minor league baseball. And all caps, I was like, I want this position. Please pass along my resume. This is my last opportunity to get in sports. It wasn't, but I just felt like it was and got connected, interviewed with the team over at minor league baseball and just realized, even though I didn't want to take an internship after college, that's where I needed to be. Um, took the opportunity and throughout the entire six months made it known that I wanted to stay with the company. I loved learning everything about minor league baseball, loved being a service to all 160 clubs and really loved that I was in sports, but really managing huge conferences for sports. So it was kind of a, a marriage of sports and events and it, it worked out and they offered me my first full-time job in the sports industry. And from there, I always say I ran amok at minor league baseball. They gave a 22 year old way too much responsibility, but I got to learn how to budget, learn how to plan events, learn to work with different departments and, and really be this customer service asset for all of our clubs. And I think that was what was so meaningful working at the league was it wasn't about the games that were played on the field. It was about the executives who were making the games, what they were for the fans. Um, and just any way that I could have given back to our executives was, was just a great experience at the headquarters. And one of the signature events that you did was coffee and connections. And so tell us about that event and how that built over time uh, with, with minor league baseball. Yeah, so we historically held our MILB promotional seminar every year, which later was rebranded to the Innovator Summit. And 
it was a great time for a lot of our younger executives to come together, kind of talk about their season, best practices, idea sharing, professional development. Um, but we really lacked a little bit of diversity and inclusion at that event. Um, we had the baseball winter meetings where we had our women in baseball leadership event. It was a great time for our, our women executives to come together and kind of talk about, you know, their season trials, triumphs, but we didn't have that at the promotional seminar. So I had a coworker approach me and she knew that I was wanting to own something special at one of our events and knew that I was really passionate about elevating women in the industry. She was like, you know, we need to get something at this event. I want you to own it. I don't know what it's going to be. I've got no ideas. This is yours. Here you go. And so I was like, cool. I'm giving this opportunity. So I immediately went over to my boss and I said, you know, what time can I do this event and what kind of space do I have? And he was like, we've already built the agenda. So whatever you're going to do is going to be at like 7 a.m. in the morning and I can give you this little foyer in the lobby. So it was like, to me, I was like, this is my like my playground, I can do so much with this. And so that's kind of how Coffee and Connections was born. I was given a little, but decided to do a lot with it. Um, I knew at 7 a.m., the only way to get people up would be free coffee. And then let's let's talk hard conversations. Let's talk about elevating women. Uh, so let's build those connections. So the first year it was in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm gonna be honest, I got a lot of pushback from even some women in my office. They said, no one's gonna come down. You're kind of you're, you're going to fail at this event. No one's going to talk about, you know, gender equality at 7 a.m. just to get coffee. But I knew we had something there and there was a space for it. So we held it. Um, we did have to include men because we're giving away free coffee. We're talking about these things. And that was kind of the way I could have it approved for the event. We had about 60 women and one male come to the first event. And I remember my CEO was standing there he kind of gave welcome remarks and he said, and you know what, we're going to continue to do this event next year. And so that was kind of my gateway. And I said, I'm, if I get a real room with tables and chairs, I'm going to make this the biggest event that I can. And over the next three years, every year, the attendance grew by hundred percent. We, at one, my last year doing that event, it was pretty much split 60% women, 40% men came into the room and we were able to hear from some female voices in the industry you know what do they need from everyone because it does take two voices to kind of elevate women as you know on this podcast it's we can sit here all day and talk about what we want and what we need in our careers but odds are it's men still hold the numbers in this industry so we need them to come in and be our supporters be our allies and they have questions for us they don't always know what to do and so having coffee and connections it was a great opportunity for them to come in Let's talk about, you know, what do we face every day, but let's talk about what we really love about our jobs and why do we want to continue to grow and how do we make this a more balanced sport? Because if our staff doesn't reflect our fan base, then we're, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing for our fans. Um, so copying connections, it's kind of what really built me as a professional. I was able to own something. I was able to grow and I was able to build connections in the industry. But most importantly, I was able to get back to the industry. Um, and I think since starting those events, those conversations have been easier for teams to hold at their own staff level. Um, we don't always have to meet in one room to, to have those conversations. Um, but I'm glad we did because it was a really fun experience. Yeah. And I, I just have so much emotion around you and the Coffee and Connections event and the, the, the conversation that you really started and minor league baseball by building that event. And Paige, I really want to recognize and acknowledge you for that because 
you were really the, the genesis of, of a lot of uh, those important conversations to be held. And I think most importantly for me, there was a phrase that you had used with me when you were editing some remarks of mine that I was going to make in the intro. And it was, men, we need your voices too. And I've got to give you credit. I've used that so many times. And it was just, it was the perfect short catchphrase, short saying for me to just articulate exactly what you said. Like we can have these conversations, we can sit around and drink coffee and talk about change, but if we don't have a collaborative environment, we're never gonna move forward. So I really wanna high five you through the Zoom right now and give you a big hug uh, because that was a really big changer for me in my career. And I know that you inspired so many other people to have those critical conversations. No, it's, it's, it's great to even nowadays, even though I'm removed from minor league baseball, to go on LinkedIn and to see Sophie is now the GM of the Arkansas Travelers. She was one to receive our scholarship to be able to go to Coffee and Connections. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that because she went to Coffee and Connections, she got that promotion, but maybe she heard something in that room that made her fight for that promotion or she's going to continue to help other women in the industry. So I think to, to have that gathering space, no, you're not alone in what you're facing every day. Um, but also, I think we giving the grace to men to say, here's your floor. What questions do you have? No judgment. How can we make you a better leader? What are some situations that you've been put in you didn't know how to handle? Because um, we can only be better if we're all honest with each other. And two voices are always going to be louder than one. And I'll tell you that the biggest feedback I always got from that event with, with the men in the room was, Emily, how do I hire great women? That's what they would say. How do I get more women to apply? I, I want more amazing women in my front office. I want a more diverse staff. Where do I start? And so the fact that the men were leaving that conversation saying, now I need to focus on this and make room for this in my busy day uh, is, is a game changer. And I think we've seen our industry uh, start to evolve over the last couple of years. It's, it's, it's been quite the, the ride and watching that growth has been incredible. Yeah. And I, I hope those who attended the event can also look at it and say, how do I can continue to elevate the women in, in my industry, but also how do you continue to elevate minorities in the industry? Because what yeah. you can apply to women, you can apply to everyone else. Um, so it's just kind of taking a step back and our industry is very, you know who you know, and that does help you get that interview. But how do you expand that mindset of, yes, I could hire my buddy. I know what they're going to do the job, but how do I also provide this opportunity for someone who doesn't have that buddy yet and maybe I'll be their buddy and one day they're hiring me so how do you continue that chain that's so well put because you your circle can be small and it can be a lot of the people who look and or act or have similar experiences to you so you've got to think about doing things differently in order to get different results and I think that was really uh, really well put do you have any advice um, for people to expand those circles, to look for more diverse talent to add to their workforce? I think recommendations, I, I don't, you don't want to ever make that person feel like they're the, that token person say, right. I'm going to go to that one person on my team who I know has a great connection to the black community. I think put yourself in those uncomfortable positions. How do you go to those events instead of relying on those to give the recommendations or expand what you're reading, expand the different LinkedIn groups you're in or the different professional podcasts that you're listening to. 
um, still rely on those who have those resources, ask them. I know Vince Pearson, who was the director of diversity and inclusion. When I was at minor league baseball, I leaned on him a lot. So even through when I've left minor league baseball, gone to other roles, I've always gone back to him and say, how do I get better connected here? Um, but I think with all the social media platforms that are out there that have kind of turned into professional platforms are a great place to start. Um, but just challenge yourself to get outside of your comfort zone. I know networking is hard and it's easy to go to those events where you know you've got three or four buddies who are going to be at, but do something different because you never know who you're going to walk away from or who you're going to meet or they're going to connect you to someone else. I, I think with hiring, you want to fill that position as quickly as possible with the best person as possible, but sometimes it's worth taking the time to make sure you, you've checked all those boxes and that you've talked to as many people as you can. Yeah, I just um, saw, and I'm forgive me, I cannot remember her name, um, but there there was a woman who was just hired in the sports industry um, for an executive level position. And in order to fill her position, they took probably a six month search. And in that search created a board of directors in their city. And on that board of directors for hiring, it was more of like a committee were people who worked um, in partnership with the team or were um, heads of different organizations in the city. They all came together and endeavored on that search um, as a unit outside of the scope of just the team because the team recognized if they went to their normal well, they would get the same type of, of candidate that, that they'd always gotten. And they wanted to be really intentional about hiring somebody from outside of that that uh, sphere of influence. So I thought that was, was pretty cool uh, to take that amount of time and add those partners outside of, of your day-to-day -to, -day to help you make sure you found the best next person for that role. That's awesome. I like that. I'm sure we're going to see a trend of that over the next few years. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. So I want to talk about your transition from uh, minor league baseball to front office sports, which is probably a brand that we're all sort of familiar with or see in our inbox um, on the daily. You were leading virtual and in-person partnership activation. Um, you moved to New York City a month before the pandemic um, started and then moved back to Texas and did your job remote. Um, quite, a, quite a roller coaster ride personally and professionally during those 18 months with, with a startup. Um, but talk to us about those in-person events and, um, and virtual events and sort of how, how did you navigate all of that in the last year? Yeah, so as you mentioned, originally moved over to New York City, January of 2020, was supposed to run their experiences and community engagement. At the time, Front Office Sports was starting to establish their headquarters in New York City. They wanted to take over New York City. So my role was coming to the city, bringing together the sports industry and showing that we're here and we're providing resources to the professionals. COVID had a much different plan for us, unfortunately, but you know, throughout that time, we did pivot. We really started to embrace webinars. We created a live show called Fundamentals where we'd bring on sports leaders just to kind of talk about what, what they were doing during the pandemic or how they were pivoting, still trying to provide sports, you know, to the sports industry and to the community, but since we weren't actively playing. Um, and in that time, you know, my CEO, Adam, decided to move me over to partnership activation. It wasn't a position that I saw for myself. I thought I was 
going to be in events forever. That's what I was good at. I didn't want to go into a revenue driven position. But when I got over there, I was like, oh, account management, it's just like events. I'm just not putting together food and beverage orders at the moment, but I'm making sure that I'm checking off all their campaign deliverables and providing that customer service. And once I moved over there, I understood just how important it sounds silly that revenue is to a company. You know, when your events, we you can make a lot of money in events, but you also spend a lot of money with events. So coming over to the partnership activation side, looking at a campaign, looking at my resources and saying, if I want to see a high margin on this partnership, what do I need to spend money on versus what I don't need to spend money on? But how do I still hit my clients' goals? So when I moved over to there at Front Office Sports, I learned a lot about media and the impact of impressions and engagements and how to deliver results for our clients. Ended up loving it more than I thought I would. So it was a blessing in disguise, kind of completely pivoted my, I guess, second half of my 20s career goals, realizing that I loved being on this. Um, but it was definitely, it was hard, you know, brands weren't spending money last year. They didn't have the resources. We, you know, we still had goals we needed to hit to keep the lights on. Um, so it was kind of a thrown into the fire position. Um, learned a lot, learned media, just kind of wasn't the space that I wanted to thrive in. I, I still had the events in me, wanted to see my activations come to life. Um, but it was a great learning moment. Learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about communication and contracts and how to deliver really good news to your partner and how to deliver really bad news to your partner. Um, but all in all, a tough 18 months, but a time where it kind of gave me new goals to achieve and a new sense of direction within my career. Um, so it was a learning moment. Well, and there's one, before we move on and talk more about Spartan, just like in minor league baseball, there, there was an event um, with, with front office sports that you ended up contributing to big time. And it was the rising 25 to which you were named uh, rising 25 in 2019 and then went on to really run with the event and contribute to making it um, bigger, better, I'll say bigger, better, faster, stronger, uh, more important uh, to identify the, who's next up in the industry. Um, so tell us about that event and um, taking a, a big seat at the table um, to help that become what it is today. Yes, it was a huge honor to be a part of the class of 2019 for the Rising 25. Um, it just felt like I was on the right track in my career. I think starting out in the sports industry, you can have a lot of insecurities or especially with as much responsibility as I had at a young age. Didn't really know what I was doing half the time, but I was rolling with it and, and owning the mistakes that I made and, and learning from that. But I knew going to that event in 2019, we were all able to go to New York City. We had a really great leadership summit where we got to talk to some industry executives. They shared their career paths and just talked about different opportunities in the sports industry. We had an awesome gala where we all came together and celebrated our achievements. And the events person that I am, I can't just sit on an event and not put, like pull it apart and say, oh, if we would have done this, we could have talked about this topic. And Sorry to remember talking to Adam after the event and being like, that was awesome. Thank you for providing that to the young professionals. If you ever need help, just let me know. Um, and then received that call a few months later with him bringing me on, on staff and was really excited to oversee the Rising 25 program. Um, of course, due to COVID, we had to pivot. We went to virtual events, but it kind of benefited us in a way because not everyone can make a trip out to New York City every year. So with it being a virtual leadership summit, we all got to be in the same room together 
bring on different guests who also didn't maybe have the schedule or bandwidth to come to New York to speak, were able to speak to us. And I kind of looked at that programming and said, you know, even though these are the up and comers of the industry, we, you know, we're still nervous about asking for that promotion, still nervous about taking that next step to a different, you know, title in the company or going to a completely different title. So kind of came back a little bit, restructured the programming, brought in some different speakers, still provided that professional development opportunity, but wanted to use that as a place to grow the up and comers in the industry. And then we, we had, got, had a lot of fun with the gala, got to submit videos and got some great keynote speakers and just kind of really pivoted the program. And it's about receiving the award, but it's also being a part of a community that could help you. I created a mentorship program and it was more peer-to-peer because -peer as great it is, as it is to have a mentor who's been in the industry for 25 plus years, sometimes it's nice to talk to someone who is two to three years older than you, who has recently gone through what you're going through, can maybe provide some kind of more updated advice, if you will, um, who understand what you're going through. And building that program, I, I saw people move into great positions. I saw one woman go from coordinator to director, um, which was awesome to see. She now works for an MLB team and is, I think, only 24 and, and running the department, which is incredible. And she said, if I didn't have this connection with my mentor in Rise of 25, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Um, and then through that, it became sellable assets to partners. We were able to put a partner on it in 2021, grow the revenue of the company, but most importantly, uphold the integrity of the community. Um, so it was awesome. It was my favorite part of front office sports was it was assisting my community. It felt, I felt more gratitude towards being the point person than receiving the award. And then I look forward to being a part of that community to this day. That's so awesome. And just talking about that mentorship program and that support and how critical that really is to your career. Do you have any advice for um, those who might not have, like they might not win that award? Like what advice do you have for them to build, build their network or build, build a mentorship program or find a mentor um, that maybe might be more closely in age than, uh, yeah. than what we typically go after? Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you ins are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. 
Thank you so much. I will say, do not beat yourself up if you have not received an award at this point in your career. Um, as someone who you had to read over a thousand nominations this year, so many of you guys are more than the deserving of that award and just don't let that defeat you. There are so many more opportunities to be recognized, but just start reaching out to people. Everyone's looking for that sense of community. And I think what was really nice about COVID is you didn't have to live in the same town. It, you can still do coffee over Zoom. It's not the same, but you can still do it. And I know I used my time to network during the pandemic by reaching out to those who were kind of the same age as me or who I thought were the same age. And they had titles. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this kind of position at a team. I want to learn more about that. Is that something that I'm interested in? Um, just send an email, slide into someone's DM, or if you look at their LinkedIn and you might know someone who's connected, they might be able to do that intro for you. Um, but just take the chance and just reach out to someone. The worst that's going to happen is they're not going to respond to you. You reach out to someone else. Mm -hmm. And if they're not going to respond to you, they might not be the best person to build within your network. So just keep trying. It sometimes takes a hundred no's to get that one yes. And that one yes could really catapult your career. Yeah. And I want everyone to listen to what you just said there. It might take a hundred, a hundred. So if you just find one person and send them a note and don't get a response and then quit, like no one's, no one's getting any better from that activity. So just keep at it and persistence um, always, always wins. So I love that advice. And let's talk about Spartan. Uh, you are now partnerships and uh, service for, for events and working on DECA. Talk to us about landing this role. Let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about landing the role, um, why you chose the company. Yeah, so fun story. When I was kind of realizing that media wasn't for me and I was ready to kind of expand where I was in my career, um, knew I still wanted to be in sports, but realized there were so many opportunities that I didn't realize when I left school. Um, just kind of started looking at all the different websites and I came across this one position um, for Spartan. It was going to be for global events. And I just remember looking at the job description, like this is a dream job. It checks all the boxes of where I want to be in my career. Um, I was almost hesitant to not apply for it because for the years of experience, it said eight or more years. And I was sitting there looking at my timeline. I'm like, uh, maybe got four, maybe five. I think I'm not qualified, but I kind of just had the attitude as, you know what, I'm going to find someone that I know that works there and I'm going to get my resume to the hiring manager. So I did my creeping because I, my rule is and when you're looking for a job, if you can online creep the person you're talking to on Bumble or Tinder and find everything out about that person, you can do the same with a potential employer. And so I just, I did my research. I found a mutual connection. I talked, reached out to a friend. I said, can you please get my resume to this person? I promise I won't make you look bad, but I, I need to have a conversation because I'm going to get this job. He made a connection. And then I kind of just continued to, this poor recruiter probably received five or six emails of people trying to support me to get this role. I did get in an interview. I remember really hitting it off with everyone that I talked to. I like walked away thinking, I'm going to get this job. I felt really good about it. I didn't get the job, long story short. Um, but I remember it was the first time that a hiring manager wrote me an email and explained us to why I wasn't chosen. And I just remember thinking just so highly of that person's character and being like, wow, 
they took the time out of their day to tell me why I didn't receive this position. It was great feedback. It kind of, I was out of interviewing practice and I realized different parts of my story I could have told better, maybe explained differently. And I got that feedback and I remember going back to him and I said, I, you know, I really appreciate you doing this for me. I'm not taking this as a forever no. I'm going to hear back from you in a few months. And I did hear back from him in a few months. Um, came back and spoke so highly of myself, talked about when I, when I interviewed and the different parts he remembered hearing. He had this new position and he said, I need you to interview, but this is basically yours. I think this is kind of checks everything that we talked about. Are you interested? And I was like, absolutely. And without hesitation, took the position and before I knew it, I was moving to Boston. Oh gosh, I love that story so much. You you didn't take no for an answer in an interview. Like that is phenomenal. And you you kept going after it. And I, I feel like Paige, every time we talk, like the universe is like coming together to bring opportunity, to bring um, bring the next thing, like the next right. Thing, I should say, because there's been different opportunities, different ways to go along the pathway. Um, but what that pathway led to for you was the next right thing. And great advice there about how to make sure your resume is seen, not just blindly uh, applying online. So, um, and also getting other people to send a note to the hiring manager that they should hire you. Absolutely golden. Because I know when, when I've had to hire people and those emails come through my inbox, you get an interview. You mm -hmm. at least get a shot because um, if, if someone's willing to stick their neck out in that manner, it's definitely somebody you want to talk to. So it was a phenomenal strategy. Okay. So now that you're in the role, you travel a lot. Um, tell us about sort of life on, on the road and uh, what is easy and what is difficult about um, traveling for events. Yeah, we'll start with what's easy. Um, you get to go to some really cool places. I know with Spartan races, um, OCR, so obstacle course racing, you need a bunch of land to be able to hold those. You know, we have some races that are um, over 40 miles. So we have to get really creative on building those types of courses. So I've been to some phenomenal places, places that I probably wouldn't have vacationed on my own. I went to, to Utah. I've been out to Big Bear, California. I've been out to Arizona. Some, so just learning as to you can kind of put an event anywhere, even if it's in the middle of a mountain or in the middle of a field, you can still make something come to life. I think that's been really interesting is just learning the logistics of building events outside of convention centers or banquet halls, just because I haven't had that experience before. Um, I think meeting a bunch of different people, you know, I would say about 90% of Spartan is remote because we couldn't have our events without our build crew. Um, all those build crew members, they're not at our headquarters, they're on the ground, they're making sure these events come to life. So it's been great just to kind of learn about different roles and how you can contribute to an organization. So meeting different people has been incredible. Um, the hard part is always going to be time management when you're traveling. Um, I still account manage and I still have people who need questions daily, but I'm, you know, I'm out remote. I'm in the middle of a field. I don't always have the best reception. So balancing my on-site duties plus my in office duties has been really difficult but a fun challenge um and then also you're kind of planning your life around when you're traveling it's you're realizing some of the things you can say yes to on a personal level and things that you have to say no to um, I think working in baseball kind of taught me how to manage my personal life plus work unfortunately sometimes my work does override my personal which is always going to be an evolving process but 
to be able to go out and have fun and see your work come to life and be able to take pictures of my partner activations that are in person and see them come to life, it's worth it. Um, and also just maintaining a healthy diet because it's really easy to grab all those gummy worms at the airport instead of fruit. Um, so, so learning how to still be healthy on the road, but still letting myself eat those different different snacks. It's true. The best gummy worm selection is really in an airport. I never want gummy worms, but when I'm at the airport, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I need this bag. I need it. <laughs> totally. Totally. You need that sugar boost to, you know, stay, stay alert and not sleep on the plane and open your lap. Mm -hmm. the, the struggle is real. Okay. You had a cool uh, thing that you got to do recently filming Spartan games. Tell us about that. Yep. So we, um, Spartan games was born out of the pandemic when we, they weren't racing at Spartan. They decided to develop a series of bringing some of the top athletes to come and compete in some of the traditional obstacle course races or bringing in DECA did really well last year. So they decided to, to bring it on in 2021, um, was thrown onto that project. We had some people leave the company. We needed to fill some space. And so I was approached and they asked me to manage all of the athletes. Uh, I was really excited at the opportunity. I've never done talent management before. Was I figured, you know, I used to work in baseball. I used to manage 160 clubs. I can manage 16 athletes. It definitely gave me a run, run for my money. Um, but it was a great experience. Learned about when you're negotiating with talent, what their expectations are for coming on to, a, basically it's a TV show. So coming on set. Um, how to communicate different roles and some parameters, working with NDAs, working with our legal teams to keep everything under wraps. Um, but it was an awesome experience. I'm a fan of the show Survivor. So I felt like I was with Jeff Probst filming Survivor as we filmed Spartan Games. Um, but learn just what it takes to, to have a director on site, making sure you're getting the shots, you're still keeping it authentic. It's a great experience. Never thought I'd be on a, a production set. Uh, so it's another thing to add to my resume, but really excited for you guys all to see the series come January. Oh, that's awesome. Very, very cool. And so I want to get in a little bit more um, on, the, on the personal side here and talk about a hurdle that you've had to overcome and what you learned from that. Yeah. So I think when you're in college, everyone always talks about landing that first job and how to nail the interview, how to get that promotion within your first job. But no one talks about leaving your first job and going to a completely different organization. Um, and what that, what that's like, you know, you, you think you have this one job and you're like, oh, every other organization, they handle reviews this way. They have the same processes. They, you're gonna work with the same kind of people. That's not always the case. You know, minor league baseball was such a special time in my career had a lot of responsibility, really learned the inner workings of a league. Then I switched over to media, which was so different. And I thought I was taking a position that was going to be apples to apples to what I did at minor league baseball. That wasn't the case. And that's okay. I got to go outside of my comfort zone, but it was, it was interesting to learn that it's not always going to be the same experience. And to go from an organization where I felt like I was authentically myself, I brought my whole self to the table when we had ideation or brainstorming sessions to go to a company where I'm like, oh, this is going to be accepted here too, where they just had different processes. They had different ways of delivering campaigns, different ways of planning events. And I just wasn't ready for that. I thought every experience was going to be the same. So to go from one position where you feel like you, you have it all, you know it, you own it, to go to another position where you're like, oh, you know, these tricks aren't going to work over here. I got to like pivot myself a little bit. I got to learn differently. 
Um, so went through an experience where I didn't feel like I got to be myself at work, learned I didn't ask the right questions when it came to company culture or what do you do to develop your, your employees? Um, it was a, a really tough 18 months, but it was a time where I could go back and say, you know what? Now I have two work experiences to compare each other to. That third experience is going to be a perfect blend of that. I'm going to be picky. I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to harp on this experience or or talk negatively of this organization. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be better because of what I went through. Um, so I think it's it's okay if you're going to take that leap of faith in your career. If it doesn't work out, you're not a failure. I mean, I really beat myself up for moving to New York City to then six months later moving back home and with, and with my parents. That wasn't part of my my master plan, um, but it worked out the way it needed to. And now I'm, I'm back on course. I'm back feeling like myself in my, my brainstorming sessions. I feel like I'm contributing to something that feels right. Um, so it's not, things aren't always going to go as planned as the type A planner that I am and just embrace that. So what I heard you say there, Paige, is when going from one organization to another and rightfully compare, be picky, ask the right questions. And if it doesn't work out, don't beat yourself up. You'll be back on track in no time. Yeah. And I think you, you know, you're leading, you're leading by example there that sometimes the grass isn't greener or the organization isn't the right fit. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the end of your career. You know, there's so many different um, iterations and evolutions and next steps. And uh, if you just keep pursuing and sticking to uh, your true authentic self, that's all going to come together. Yeah, it takes time and just give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. That's what I learned in the past 18 months. And trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, don't feel like you need to stay somewhere because you need this perfect resume if your resume doesn't look perfect or if it's shorter time than you imagine being somewhere or things just didn't pan out correctly, it's your story. You just gotta learn how to tell it. And I, just, I remember talking to a recruiter who was like, you know, with the pandemic, you get a pass. So anyone who looks at 2020 and asks you why you didn't stay somewhere or if you did something differently, you get a pass. And I remember being like, well, I don't necessarily need a pass, but I need to be able to like tell my side of the story and parallel it to how I'm gonna make your organization better. That's all how you frame things. Exactly. And what you said there, it's your story, learn how to tell it. It was in the early episodes of these, uh, of, of Leadership is Female podcast that uh, one of the executives I interviewed said, the number one skill that you need to acquire in order to level up is to be a good storyteller. And Nancy Hensley said that, and it has stuck with me over and over and over again, being a great storyteller is gonna lead you to your next opportunity because you have to be able to tell your own story in a way that's captivating for mm -hmm. an audience. And I love what you said there. You really reinforce that and you really learn how to tell your story and talk about the ways in which you can contribute to a company and how having on, having you on their team is gonna make it a better place. And um, and now you're you're living it. So I'm, I'm thrilled for you. So I gotta ask you before we get to the final four, what is the outlook for women in sports as someone who has been an advocate for and been able to work on events that have uh, elevated and, and raised the DE&I uh, conversations to the surface? I think it's a positive outlook. I think 
there's still so much room to grow. I do find myself getting really frustrated when I see a post that the first time a woman is refereeing this type of game, or this is the first time it's an all-female broadcast. And that's not to discredit those women's achievements at all. It's like, man, it's 2021 and we're still getting these reports. But then it's like, no, you know what? We're still getting these reports. What other reports do we need? What other, you know, first time women position do we need to continue to fill? And, you know, we got to continue to support each other. And I look forward to the day where there's an announcement and a woman gets an awesome leadership position. It's like, great. She deserved it. There's no more first. She just continues to fill those seats. Um, but I think we're all learning a lot as a country. I think last year was a big eye opener for, for filling those positions and expanding your network like we talked earlier. Um, but as long as organizations are embracing the change and finding that room to grow, it can only go up from there. And I just look forward to, to seeing my friends at my level reaching those director, VP, CEO positions. Um, I look forward to seeing those who have mentored me throughout my way receive those high positions. Um, but we all just got to keep fighting the good fight, even though it, it can get frustrating at times. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the final four, which question number one, as you know, is another uh, female focused question, but it's what is your best piece of advice for women to implement in their career today in order to level up? So I'm going to go back to being your own storyteller. And I think confidence is contagious. And if you have confidence in yourself, that's just going to exude excitement in the room. So really take a step back. And when you're explaining your achievements or what you do career-wise, watch how you're framing it for yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to women and they're like, well, I don't know why they just gave me this big account, but I'm going to try my best. You know why? It's because you're an awesome account manager. You've worked. You've earned that spot. It's, people aren't handing you out opportunities like birthday presents. You've earned this. So start telling your story that way. Say, I got this new account because I did really well in this other account, or I got this promotion because I put in my time and I did everything and I re had results. Um, so I definitely think confidence is contagious and just watch how you're framing yourself. Cause would you want your best friend to speak about themselves that way? That's amazing. And it reminded me of, um, my kids started in gymnastics, my boys, and there's a sign in the facility that says there is no try there is do or don't do. And mm -hmm that is sort of the frame that you, you reference. Confidence is contagious. You're not going to try to do it. You're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Perfect. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. Uh, here's some more fun. Here's some fun ones. What is your favorite place to travel now that you're uh, loading up on the airplane quite frequently oh. these days? I uh, know. I need to stay loyal to an airline so I can actually get the benefits of points. I just jump around so much. Um, I, one of my favorite trips was when I went to Morocco with one of my college best friends. Um, it was a very unique place to travel, not some a place that people always have on their list, but it was a great place to go outside of my comfort zone and highly recommend a night in the Sahara Desert can do you wonders. So if you have the opportunity, go to Morocco. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right. What is your walk-up song? Ooh, Dancing Queen by ABBA. Love it. And finally, what is your favorite quote? Ooh, so I always read The Alchemist when I feel like I need a mind reset. And a quote that always calls out to me is, don't be impatient, eat when it's time to eat, but move along when it's time to move along. Um, I think that just always, always helps me when I'm struggling internally or just need a little boost of confidence. 
Oh, Paige, it's been such a pleasure. I just adore you and I'm thrilled for, for you and your career and the advice you shared today will serve this community uh, for years to come. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for having me and, and thanks for doing this, Emily. You're doing amazing things for women in our industry. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, men, we need your voices too. In order to make meaningful change in the diversity of our front offices, we need everyone to participate in championing the hiring of not only women, but minorities too. Number two, in looking for your next big role, identify the job, then engage in some serious online stalking to find the hiring manager within the company. Then reach out. Then have people reach out to the recruiter on your behalf. If you want the job, make sure that they can't ignore you. Number three. Leaving your first job and going to a new organization is a big change, and it won't be the same experience. Be open-minded and make comparisons between the two. Be picky when making a move. Ask the right questions. Consider culture fit. Be patient. And if it doesn't work out, don't beat yourself up. No decision is ever final. And number four, it's your story. Learn how to tell it. Confidence is contagious. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.